Well, hello, everyone. Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. Oh, it is a prerequisite if you are going to be a broadcaster that as you hit the end of a month, you've got to go, oh, where'd the time go? Where'd the time go? And uh, September and especially October are transitional months because of the weather. But think about it. Here we are. It's the end of September, heading into October. A month from now, it'll be Halloween time. We could very well have had, I don't necessarily think, the, the, the snowstorm like a couple of years ago, but we may have had a dusting. Likely not, but could have. But you'll be very much into fall and colder time and jackets will be more regular all of that uh in the next uh in the next month and we'll see uh how things progress of course a month from now it'll be hot and heavy talk with the campaigns going on we don't talk much about the governor's race no doubt you've got opinions uh on that congressional seat up for uh, is up as well, Senate seat, all of that stuff. Uh, Most importantly, we'll talk more referendum here. The school's referendum in Eau Claire, uh, the Eau Claire City referendum. Chippewa's got a referendum uh, coming up. But Eau Claire mostly uh, we'll discuss, and I know that the uh, city of Eau Claire held a listening session, a public session on Wednesday night explained some more. Chief Matt Rokas explained uh, what the police department's doing now and how more money would go to help out uh, staffing issues with the police department. And I, I keep coming back down to this. And it is something for me, me as, a, as a taxpayer, a homeowner in Eau Claire, and why I think the, the whole thing was botched. There is a need for the referendum with the schools. There's a need for this referendum. There's a lot of valid reasons. This money isn't just going to be agreed to and then put in people's pockets. And I know the cynic out there is going to say, yes, it is. But all the money is going to things that that are needed. And even the things you could argue maybe aren't necessarily needed, like with the schools are saying perhaps some of the money would go towards artificial turf at both North and Memorial for their practice football fields, you can make the argument that it's still well-spent money. The problem is, now you're talking over $100 combined for most homeowners in this city if both pass. That's just, that's a big, tremendous bite of the lasagna. The lasagna's good, But am I able to eat a whole pound of the lasagna? That's the problem. And the argument could also be made, hey, if you'd spread them out, you know, people said yes to one, then you come back with another one. There's truth to that as well. I think in a perfect world, because people have short memories. They may think they have long memories, but if one passed one year and then you brought another one out another year later, I think you'd have an easier time passing. Not only that, and I don't want to keep talking about they got to do more marketing on these referendums. 
They've got them. And I know they're kind of limited. It's not like you're selling a two-for-one deal at a burger place, and there's not a lot of venues to talk about it either because you don't have a lot of local radio shows to talk about it. This isn't even 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where there were a couple of spots where you would get a big audience. But right now, the vast majority of people in the area, all they hear about is referendum and people's inclination is to vote no. You're working from a standpoint of people saying no. So we'll see how that works out. But a month from now, we'll know a lot more about those referendums and they'll coalesce together. I just think they've missed a chance to really ramp up the momentum towards them. You'll probably start seeing some more signage. Think about that. There's no signage up on people's yards saying vote yes on the referendum, support our schools, support our city. And it's the end of September. Yeah, you want the momentum in October. You want your polling numbers, if you will, to be keep going up and they hit their peak at the uh, at the election time. That's what any campaign strategist will tell you. But I, I, I still find it kind of odd that you don't have that stuff out there. All right, regardless. Uh, got an update on the Louis Peters case. Uh, it was disappointing news this week, and I don't think overly, I think surprising in the amount of delay. Word coming down earlier this week, we know that the judge was mo- changed, Lane giving way to Gibbs, asked for by, by the uh, defense. So Judge Steve Gibbs is taking over the case, The delay, though, that that causes is that there will be no movement in that as of now until August of next year. There will be no movement in that until August of next year. Is what it is. Um, it, It brings to light, once again, the amount of court cases, the backlog of court cases that there are for the various uh, courts in the area across the country. But because of this move, you know, Judge Steve Gibbs already has his list of cases that he's going over. This gets delayed to August of next year. Now, the defendant isn't just walking around. He's still being held on a million-dollar cash bond. But everything delayed because of that. And this is not uncommon. I do think we had been in this area in a good way spoiled because some of the more higher profile trials that have taken place in recent years have happened fairly quickly. There's been constant momentum for them, whereas this one's going to be delayed uh Think about that till next August, unless something changes in the interim. And for those who want justice, for those who also want a continuation of the story, want some answers and all of that, we have to wait. And uh, we'll see if this also gets moved to juvenile court. And if that's the case, we'll never hear anything more about it. Uh, So that's the update on the Lily Peters case uh one other update uh so we talked about it uh for the last little bit there lucas chase city councilor in menominee and the executive director of the mabel tainter 
uh, was uh, is uh, was cited for OWI, the big video that came out last month where he was playing the Do You Know Who I Am card to police officers saying, I'll get you fired, uh, did not look good on the video. He, he was clearly impaired, all that sort of thing. Well, <clears throat> We talked about it last week. Looks like nothing's going to come of it from him as far as did not resign from the city council. Uh, we had heard stories that he had asked to resign and was told don't resign. Uh, people have refuted that. But I've got people saying that's the truth as well. Uh, don't know what side to believe. And uh, the Mabel Tainer has done nothing. And they're not going to do anything. They're standing 100% behind uh, Lucas Chase. We talked about it last week, and there is a punishment he's already getting. There's a flood of social media that's gone against him, from especially outside the country, because there are a number of groups out there that rally behind any type of OWI, DWI. That is a rather serious thing, and... Let's not go down this wormhole, but there are a number of individuals and communities that have been devastated with loss of life by such a thing. It's not necessarily just the, the weird story of the person pulled over for their 20th OWI and you go, oh, this dirt bag, all that. No, there's people that lose their lives, lose property, all that over these things, and people do kind of swarm when a story like this happens from outside the area. So he's gotten that sort of punishment, which in some respects isn't, is a little too, you, know, you feel kind of bad in that regard. However, at the end of the day, reason I bring this up, uh, again, uh, because whether you, you, you think he should have lost a job or had to resign or anything like that, uh, he does have a court case uh, on October 19th and heard from some people, this actually might go to a trial. Sometimes these get pleaded down. Don't be surprised if it, if it you know, doesn't end up in court. But if that goes to a trial, Lucas Chase, then all of a sudden, it's going to kick this back up once again. And depending on the action there, it might get reignited as to things that happen. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier today. In my opinion on the thing really hasn't changed. I don't think I don't think you do something like you do something like this and nobody is is hurt. You you do a sign of the cross, you go, thank goodness. It does not mean that your life should be over with. You made a horrendous mistake and you got lucky. All right. It's like a kid falling off the monkey bars, landing head first and popping back up and fine. Did not get paralyzed. But it makes you think, all right, can't do that again, and you have to face some repercussions. You were told not to go on the monkey bars. In this case, you're told you can't drink and drive. Now, nobody got hurt. You got embarrassed. But there has to be some repercussions, whether, you know, I, I, I keep going back and forth a little bit. I said, you know, I, I personally think the, he should have resigned from the city council to be a leader, you got to be a leader. And something like even the Mabel Tainer, because you're at a higher level, you almost have to face repercussions. But that's another argument for another for another day on that. We'll see if anything comes out of that. 
October 19th, uh, the court case uh, for, uh, for that. Positive news. Uh, Eau Claire North, don't talk about high school football on this program. By the way, we've got a plethora of new podcasts joining us in October. We mentioned Business Over Brews with the Growler guys and Country Jam is now doing a podcast with us starting in mid-October. They'll announce their lineup on a podcast with us in October. But also, thanks to Toys and Ford, the all-new Chippewa Valley Sports Watch will join us in the middle of October. So we'll talk a lot of uh, sports at that point in time, local sports. But did want to point this out. You know, it wasn't that long ago that there was legitimate discussion and legitimate rationale that Eau Claire North should shut down its varsity football program for a year or two to rebuild it. They did not have the numbers to compete at a, at a Big Rivers conference level. They did not have nearly the talent because you didn't have the talent and, and, and it was becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. You didn't have a lot of kids, so they didn't win games and you weren't getting the better athletes out and the kids that were there, they tried hard, but there just wasn't enough of them. And losing, 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 losing. And it really got bad about 10 years ago. And people legitimately were talking about, hey, maybe you got to shut her down for a year or two. Build the numbers back up. Well, good for Eau Claire North. They never had to shut down the program. But you saw it last year. They got a win. Ended a long losing streak. And now this year, not great, but they're 2-2 two and two in the conference. And they have a shot at getting into the playoffs for the first time since 1998. Good for them. Good for the program. Good for those who stuck it out over the last number of years. You helped to build the foundation for this. Oakware North, 2-2 two and two, and a shot to get into the playoffs for the first time since 1998. And they got a big win last Friday against Menominee, first since 1991. First time beating Menominee since then. And I know Menominee is a little down this year, but it's still Menominee, and it's still North. So congratulations to Matt McGinnis for that win. It's not going to be easy to get into the playoffs. They've got Hudson, New Richmond, and River Falls left on the docket. Now two more wins guarantees them in. One gives them a, a shot to get into the playoffs, depending on how things shake out. So three games left. Hudson, New Richmond, River Falls have to win two. At the very least, you have to win one to give you an outside shot at getting in. Good there. Uh, the UW Regents, Wisconsin region system, is meeting at UW Eau Claire these last couple of days. Lots of meetings, lots of presentations as the whole UW system comes together. Think of it as a big, you know, it's a big conference hosting it at UW Eau Claire, which feels nice, feels cool. First time, I think, I think they said in six years. So they're in the rotation pretty quickly to get back to UW-Eau Claire. This coming on the heels of UW-Eau Claire announcing enrollment slightly down again this year at 9.6 uh, to, what, what's the number I'm looking for? 9,600. There's the number I'm looking for. 9,600. Still an awful, awful lot, but of course down from the highs of 10, 11, nearly 12 from just a few years ago. But 9,600, 
attending UW Eau Claire. Uh, it's it's a countrywide trend. It's nothing about the university itself. Nearly every institution is reporting a decrease in enrollment. And there's a number of reasons why, and none of it is surprising for those in higher education. This is not something that's spurred on by the last couple of years. People have been seeing this for a few years because there was already a decrease in the number of births about 20 years ago. So you don't have as many. Couple that with the costs. Couple that with more competition. All of that. And yeah, you've got some numbers that are going down. That's why schools are sort of pivoting into what they trying to sell the experience, trying to sell things in addition to academics, such as you know, with Eau Claire, the marching band, dance teams, the, the, the community groups that they've got, the, the, the music program, the, the theater program, obviously the athletics that they have. That's becoming much more of the college experience, not only there, but at all other UW-Eau Claire schools. Uh, UW schools, Stout, River Falls, all of them, private schools doing it as well. It's not just coming for the education, because you're going to get a great education, but it's about the overall experience and really highlighting the reason that somebody like me saw great growth out of college. Yeah, some, sometimes you go to a college and you get a specific education, Namely, like the trade schools, like CVTC, which is great. But when you go to an institution like a UW-Eau Claire, or if you want to think more private, like a Marquette or a St. Thomas, it's all the same. You're going to learn what your field of study is. But you're also going to learn a lot of life lessons. You know, how to live. You're transitioning from, you're a teenager, you want to think you're an adult, but from a kid to an adult. You're learning a lot of things. You're, you're meeting people that have the same interest as you, more so than you had when you were in high school, but you're also more than likely being introduced to a more diverse population, not just in backgrounds and, 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 and skin color and stuff of that nature, but also just in thoughts and opinions. And that's where the growth, that's where the benefit of a college is. And you get out of college what you put into it. It's not a passive endeavor. That's why I, I still argue with some of my old college buddies who, you know, I love my college experience and a number of them did, but I have a few that go, oh, it was a wasted four years. I got nothing out of it. I, I gained nothing. Uh, I could have I gone, number of other places, gotten the same education. And I go, yeah, you could have, but... These people also never left their dorm room or their apartment. They never got involved in things. They never went to go. We had comedians almost every Friday. You never went to go to the, to the comedy shows. You didn't get involved in any groups or activities. Yeah, you had your pocket of friends. But you didn't really ever expand. You never tried something. The only benefit you got from going to school was you got to be with Scott. <laughs> so again, the, you see enrollment down. That, of course, is fuel for those that are going to say, oh, the education system is, should be blown up in this country. And there's some you know, rising costs, and no doubt that's part of what's being discussed. 
How do we try to keep costs in line? But also, how do we make sure that the value is there? And anybody that knows business knows this. Something is never expensive if you see the value. It's expensive if somebody doesn't think the money and the experience don't add up. That's the key. So how do you balance the two? And there is a breaking point. To some extent, major league level sports have kind of seen that in the last, say, five, six years. Attendance across sports isn't horrible. But you're starting to see a few more empty seats. All right? Much like you did back in the 80s, 70s, and 60s. And you see it a lot in concerts and movie theaters and all that because of the rising cost. People are starting to go, you know, you know, it's, it's value isn't there to go regularly. You know, the value is not there to go regularly for that. Big thing with, the, with you know, any type of experience, if you will. Speaking of experience, uh, saw this. Uh, if you like your venison, if you like your venison, uh, Trempolo County doing something I've seen a lot of places do. I, that, that, have we never done that in this area before? I'm sure we have. Uh, in Trempolo County, uh, you just have to fill out an online form, and if uh, there's a dead deer on the side of the road, you can grab it for the venison. Uh, it's a great way for to clean up deer carcasses and what have you. The way it works, if uh, you fill out an online form and they kind of go down in line, so Bob's up first and Jan's up second and all that, and if they come across a dead deer on one of the Trempolo County roads, and the deer has salvageable meat, meaning that you know the, the vultures already on, are already on it or anything like that. If there's a dead deer and it's got salvageable meat, they'll give you a call saying, hey, you got two hours to come pick it up. And there you go. You got your venison. I know some people that swear by venison. I think I had it back, oh, I had been about six or seven years old. I had it. Had a, an uncle that ran a, a meat company, meat packing company and a meat transportation. So we got some meats and all that. One of the saddest things is I never, we used to have prime rib dinners on Sundays because he would get good prime rib. But when you're eight, nine, ten years old, usually prime rib isn't something you're all that excited about, the fat and all that. Get to be 30, 40 years old, you, you understand the joy that is prime rib. Uh, regardless, uh, had venison then. Haven't, ha- haven't really had a need for venison uh, since. Not a hunter. Uh, don't know anybody that has venison that has offered it to me uh, either. Uh, kind of interested in having a little venison, like a venison burger or something, to, if you will. Not about to go put my name down, though, for Trempolo to go pick up the deer carcass. Because then the problem is you got to know a butcher. And some of these butchers in the area are already booked up. Some people will butcher it themselves. And to them, hey, God bless you. That's definitely not me, though. All right, back with you on Tuesday. Schedule's going to get a little wonky in October, folks. We'll have a few more uh, uh, tape shows, not live, in October as a We've got a lot of podcasts coming your way, and uh, Scotty and his staff have got to be out recording those. Make sure you're checking out our site every single day uh, for uh, for that. 
All right, on behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody. The end of a life is a sad occasion, but listen as our friend Randy with Stokes, Proc, and Munt and the Cremation Society tells us about how the end-of-life services they facilitate serve a role they do not take lightly. But as we celebrate a person's life and even tell funny stories about them, that's a very healing thing. I mean, if you can take a family that's crying, sobbing, and and get them laughing about the person that died. That's very healing. That's a very important thing, you know. I mean, we take our work very, very seriously. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media.